0: Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries, and
1: our must-read daily newsletter. We've had a welcome return to -to face-to-face events in this country over the autumn, but nothing on the scale of Highways UK,
0: so let's look forward to it on today's Highways Voices. Our sort of big thinking areas, the main theatre and what we call the big thinking stage, which is the very high level strategic insights, almost TED Talks for the road sector. There won't be a single rule book. we won't have
2: all the answers, we just need to get on across each of the sectors across each of those life cycle stages and be confident as I say that we're all pulling in the same direction to go as fast as we possibly
3: can because this genuinely is urgent. At the moment roads are a big emitter surface transport is the single biggest carbon emitting sector in the country and road transport makes up the vast majority of that and so it's really imperative on us to drive the shift to net zero.
1: We're the official podcast of the leading transport and infrastructure event in the UK calendar and we're proud to be A media partner, as next week, NEC means new, exciting content for our industry.
0: Highways Voices, hearing from the people who matter in the highways industry. Three interviews with
1: the organiser, the president of the Institution of Civil Engineers and National Highways' Executive Director of Strategy and Planning to come as we look ahead to next week's Highways UK. But first, as always, here's Highways News co-owner Adrian Tatum with a look at some of the stories you can read on the Highways News website. West
4: Midlands has been handed a £1 billion funding to expand the region's tram, train, bus and cycle networks as part of a green transport revolution in the region. The West Midlands combined authority skewed the money from the government's city Region Sustainable Transport Settlement Fund. Hundreds of million pounds will now be used to kickstart a range of projects from new metro tram extensions to more electric vehicle charging points in a move to decarbonise the region's transport systems. Elsewhere, and connected to this story, English city regions are on track to receive nearly £7 billion to improve public transport in this week's budget. The Treasury will commit £6.9 billion towards tram, train, bus and cycle projects as he sets out spending plans this Wednesday. Greater Manchester, the West Midlands West Yorkshire are amongst the regions that will benefit, according to the BBC. Elsewhere, Transport for London is urging drivers to use its online vehicle checker to make sure they don't get caught out by the new enlarged ultra-low emission zone which came into force this week. The new zone will be 18 times bigger than the current central area that has seen toxic pollution slashed by a half. It will run 24 hours, 7 days a week, and covers all areas within the north and south circular. It is estimated that 100,000 cars, 35,000 vans and 3,000 lorries could potentially be affected by the tighter standards in the expanded area. Transport for London says that nearly 10 million people already use the tool, making sure that their vehicles comply with the new requirements.
1: Thanks Adrian. He's on here throughout the programme today and also with his accolade later in the podcast, I've picked out some more environmental stories with Wales setting out plans to have a charging point facility every 20 miles and its trunk road network, Hertz buying 100,000 Teslas to boost its EV offering, as well as Professor Eric Sampson's summary of the ITS World Congress. You'll find all these and so much more on the Highways News website. It's highways-news.com and you'll also find it in our daily briefing every lunchtime at midday directly to your email inbox. Sign up online. Highways
0: Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum.
1: So Wednesday the 3rd and Thursday the 4th of November are the dates and the place to be is the nec for highways uk we're all back together again in person and so to set the scene let's hear from the events content director paul wheeler and adrian first asked him how the planning has been
0: frantic frazzle but uh, excited
4: excellent so First of all, if you could take us back to the whole concept of I UK, which is roads for a connected Britain. Tell us, tell us how that's still relevant today.
0: That's, that's more or less been our, uh, our strapline since we launched in 2015. So, so there's, there's a there's a play uh, it, uh, on connected. So we obviously mean roads are connecting different parts of the country, different populations. They're connecting uh, people with economic opportunity. And then there's also the whole uh, kind of connected vehicle piece on top of that uh, and how that's an important part of the future landscape for roads so uh, we we like it and we are stuck with it really.
4: Every good exhibition is driven by its content you have lots Paul over the two days as usual many different theatres talk us through some of the highlights for you.
0: Yeah we're we're, we're multi-stream our sort of big thinking areas of the main theatre and what we call the big thinking stage which is the very high level strategic insights almost TED talks for road sector we've then got a series of of more specialist areas, which which cover tech and innovations. I think particularly of interest this year, we're launching an EV theater, net zero fuels really, because that's becoming such a big part of the agenda. You know, one one in ten cars now are electric. A huge amount of infrastructure is going to be needed to support that transition, and you know, going beyond the, the electric thing with with heavy duty vehicles. You know, is is hydrogen the solution how's that going to work so we've got a whole whole theatre dedicated to that across two days and I think the other really interesting area is the local authority theatre I think there was a perception when we started that we were really just about national highways and the strategic road network our sort of relationships with Adept and L Craig uh, I, I think we can truly say that we represent the whole of the, the UK's road sector.
4: The Highways UK is ever evolving talk us through some of the other feature areas of the show as we kind of map our, our listeners kind of route through the show what what would they expect to see other than the theatres
0: well it's it's a, it's a big big exhibition uh, if you came in 2019 we're slightly bigger interestingly the visitor numbers are are tracking very similarly so i think we're, we're we're looking good to be at least as we were in 2019 which we're all thrilled about national highways has got a, a huge presence on the floor, as always, which is very exciting. And that really attracts the tier ones. Uh, So you'll find, you know, Balfour Beatty and Skanska, etc., large consultancies and and funnels down through the supply chain, really. So so we we do genuinely have excellent representation uh, across the whole supply chain from the clients downwards. I think a particular interest this year for me, a startup innovation zone, uh, which we call them a startup village which has got about 30 young companies who are disruptors in the, in the, in the highway space. And we are a real opportunity for them to get directly in front of effectively the clients for them. Uh, so that, that's, that's actually a new innovation for this year. Other, other things which I think are going to be of great interest, actually they're not all happening on the exhibition floor. So there's an autonomous bus trial going on uh, at the NEC, and uh, they're laying on extra services so that visitors to Highways UK can can ride an autonomous bus from outside hall five up to Resorts World and back again. It's like a 10 minute detour on your way from a train station to the Highways UK hall uh, and we'll give you one hell of a talking point. thoroughly recommend you do that and if you, if you decide to join that on the second day, so the 4th of November, uh, that's, that's being run in conjunction with Solihull Council, uh they, they're sending their the guy who's running that program down and he'll be available to talk to so that that's a tremendously exciting thing you can really sit inside an autonomous shuttle uh, and that's part of a bigger research project that's going on transport for west midlands if you're coming to highways uk sign up for this you'll find details on our website but if you give your origin postcode to transport for west midlands they've done some modeling work and they're going to guess how you got to the nec from wherever you've departed in the country that they're going to go back to people who sign up to take part in this trial and they're going to validate your journey and they so that's uh, that's actually part part of one of the live labs programs. so so i suppose how's the event evolving well the event event effectively is becoming a part of part of the sector actually which is which is just astonishing to me
4: so some of the big big things are really coming through on on what you've just said and also obviously on on the program but if if people want to see and hear something different in terms of presentations what what should they listen to where should they go
0: of course we all want to listen to nick harris and andy street and all, all these these great people who we've got coming but we've also got some quite interesting pieces so jacobs is offering us a piece they're calling one million lives which is which is around uh, mental health awareness women in transport are running a panel around gender perceptions in the industry and I, i suppose something that's particularly strong this year is social value and its role in the sector and how organizations are using social value to effectively energize their businesses and make their staff uh, more engaged with what they're doing and also changing the perceptions of the the highway sector externally by by getting involved in various social value initiatives. Of course, the best thing about Highways UK, I think, is if you come at the end of the first day, the drinks reception in the exhibition hall starting at five o'clock around the National Highway Stand is always a highlight everybody attends.
1: A man who'll be so pleased to see the crowds arriving next week. That's Highways UK content director Paul Wheeler on Highways Voices. National Highways Executive Director Elliot Shaw on his way. But first, let's keep up the climate conversation and hear from the Institution of Civil Engineers president, Rachel Skinner, who's leading a discussion on getting serious climate action towards net zero on Wednesday at 1040 So we asked her, how do we get serious?
2: From my point of view, the the obvious answer in terms of how we get serious about climate change, about reaching net zero, is that, quite frankly, first of all, we take it seriously. We have to be really honest with ourselves. We have to figure out how to gather the right evidence. We have to figure out just basically how to do things completely differently to the way that we've been doing things until now. And we have to recognise the scale of the task in front of us and the contribution that each of us can actually make towards making a difference in terms of reducing carbon, cutting carbon, trying to find ways to get to that net zero balance. And to do that, people generally, all of us, have to really understand what net zero actually means. We have to appreciate That achieving net zero is actually just one side of the climate action coin we need to get to grips with, with the other side being the the resilience piece to do with defending against the impacts of climate change still to come. And we also have to recognize, even more terrifyingly, that actually all of that climate action is actually just one of the sustainable development goals towards which we should all really be doing a lot more to make progress. But on the net zero piece, we have to figure out how to set carbon reduction and the pursuit of proper genuine net zero outcomes or even better than that actually uh, as a goal that we mean to meet at whatever level so it doesn't matter if we're talking about tiny projects if we're talking about mega projects if we're talking about existing operational transport systems that are out there we have to actually set the right goal in terms of pursuing net zero and we have to recognize this is all really about behavior change and culture change because we have to choose to make this matter and we simply have to just change the way we do things around here.
4: And this is a massive job, isn't it? How do we plan and then measure what is being done? And like anything that needs to be achieved in life, it often takes a strong leader to drive it through. So who should be leading on net zero in the highways and transport sector?
2: Yeah, I think leadership for me is one part of this whole jigsaw and we have quite strong political leadership in this sense, not perhaps so much in terms of the specifics and and the policy side of things, but in terms of the broad direction of travel, I think that's a really good start. We're pushing on an open door, but I don't think it's going to be the case that we just have a single leader who is going to, to drive this through. I think we need many leaders who understand many different parts of the, the whole of the highways and the transport space and indeed other sectors beyond that but also different stages of the life cycle um, different specifics that we're going to need to bring through because no one person can possibly know everything about all of the things we need to do in terms of decarbonisation and, and net zero and so on it is, it is incredibly broad and it literally touches everything we do and we don't have anybody who's an expert in absolutely everything we do right now so it's very unlikely we're going to have a single a single leader who emerges. That said I do think there is a case for really strong leadership in terms of the actual overall the message the the outcomes we're trying to deliver and and the fact that this really does matter and it will continue to matter in other words people really have no choice but to to get on board and to really start to to help it it reminds me quite a lot actually about it reminds me quite a lot of the changes that we've made around safety in recent years across the the whole of the construction industry really um, in terms of actually taking it seriously and having that sustained effort. But I guess the the difference is that with a safety culture you generally expect to see that the improvements and the benefits come back to the people who are actually making the changes they're fairly directly linked and you can sort of see the difference in a relatively short scale of time on the ground for everybody to see and and you know they they're close to the investment that's being made in that change that the challenge we have with climate action and with carbon reduction but also with the the resilience piece in terms of our changing climate is that the benefits of making a change towards lower carbon outcomes towards net zero and so on that they won't be immediate we know that because we're dealing with whole great big you know planetary level systems that take decades to change but also benefits that come back will of course benefit everybody and not just the ones who are physically making the changes themselves because this pesky invisible carbon dioxide doesn't actually respect boundaries geographical or political um so i think that's perhaps where the leadership piece comes in we're going to have to have really strong leadership around this really really strong confidence that we're going in the right direction even if we don't get that kind of immediate pat on the back or recognition that you know yes that's enough yes that's the right direction and so on we're going to have to find ways to keep ourselves moving in that direction, given that there won't be a single rule book, we won't have all the answers. We just need to get on across each of the sectors, across each of those lifecycle stages and be confident, as I say, that we're all pulling in the same direction to go as fast as we possibly can, because this genuinely is urgent.
1: Hi, Rachel, it's Paul here. For people who work in local authorities and have vast amounts of other things to do and to worry about, how can they actually play a role in this and what role do local authorities have in this?
2: For me, the local authority side of this is absolutely huge, simply because the local authorities as a whole essentially give us a patchwork across the whole of the country um, and similar essentially, you know, in many, many parts of the world where, where essentially they, they touch all of the different sectors, all of the existing built environment, all of the existing natural environment pieces that are already out there. And of course, that reach goes far beyond the, the highways and the, and the transport side of life. But at the same time, because they have that, that Patchwork, that ability to sort of get down to the ground at those different levels. That means that that same ability flows through, I guess, in terms of the local authorities being able to make real change on the ground. So, in terms of a direct leadership and change role, there are things that are within. The, uh, I suppose, within the remit of these local authorities to directly change, whether it's to do with their own operations, their own assets, the, the contracts they let, the behaviors they they encourage and they enable, and so on. Absolutely crucial that the local authorities are in tune on all of this when it comes to, to carbon and climate impact, but also indirectly within each of these geographical boundaries that the local authorities already have. We know that that's where essentially all of the rest of the, the private sector organisations, all of the various businesses out there actually you know, go about their, their day-to-day business.
1: Now, I write generally on Highways News about the technology side of our industry. How do you see technology and innovation playing a part in decarbonising the sector?
2: So technology and innovation, I mean, clearly they have a key role to play in terms of decarbonisation, and we can already see some examples of this actually coming through. I, though, would prefer to kind of stand back a step from that and to think, first of all, around the fact that there is bound to be a role for innovation and technology throughout the entirety of the the planning and the construction stages of things, whether it's to do with the transport sector or in fact anything else, but the big questions around whether we build anything, where we build it, what we build, how we build, all of those, are open to change in terms of decarbonisation and they are all going to really, really matter in terms of the construction or the capital stage carbon that we're talking about at the moment, understanding those impacts and just seeking to get them down as fast as possible. But there's also... A key role in terms of innovation through the operational stage of things. So all those infrastructure systems that are already out there, all those transport systems and networks and assets and so on, all of the, the highways network and the way that it runs every day. The bigger questions around how we encourage people to use that infrastructure, the choices we give them in terms of how how they use it, how we then look after it. So the maintenance, the the asset renewal cycle that kind of thing all of that also has carbon impacts some of which are very significant at the moment and they all also come into play so across all of those there's innovation needed whether we're thinking about extending the life of our existing transport and highways assets whether we're thinking about uh, reducing the carbon impact and often also the actual cost as well as the carbon cost of of the way that we design and build whether we whether we choose to use new materials for example that happen to be lower in carbon all of those are things that are already beginning to happen and where there is already innovation kind of bubbling. But looking ahead, we're going to need to think about innovation in terms of continued change in terms of new modes, new ownership models, new business models to access perhaps lower carbon, healthier transport choices. But also, in my head, the other one is, is around the green, the blue infrastructure side of things, which very often till now we've perhaps treated as a sort of a nice to have and, and something which is which is. If I'm perfectly honest in the highways and transport space, very often more about it being visually appealing and decorative than it is around actually doing a job for us. We need to get much more used to the idea that green and blue infrastructure can actually be treated as proper infrastructure assets that actually do work for us and try to process more carbon out of the atmosphere
1: as fast as possible from every single point that we can possibly bring that in. Rachel Skinner, President of the ICE there. And remember, you can hear that whole discussion on Wednesday at 10.40 at Highways UK. One of the panellists will be our next guest, Elliot Shaw of National Highways. And we'll hear from him in a minute. But first, it's time for... Adrian's Accolade. Who wins this week, Adrian? My
4: accolade this week goes to the portable and temporary ITS equipment, Savaya. SRL traffic systems it is extended its portfolio of products designed to promote work zone safety working collaboratively with SolarGates UK in an exclusive new partnership so my accolade go to them because obviously work zone safety is really important protecting road workers as well as road users is really important and that's why they win my accolade this week.
1: An important subject and a worthy winner. Well done to SRL for winning Adrian's accolade this week.
0: Highways Voices the podcast from highwaysnews.com highwaysnews.com
1: Finally let's welcome back National Highways Executive Director Strategy and Planning Elliot Shaw to Highways Voices. He's one of the keynote speakers in the main theatre and told Adrian that net zero is central to what he's focusing on.
3: Climate change and uh, the race and the imperative to get to net zero is absolutely fundamental for us as an organisation. So we're very conscious that... At the moment, roads are a big emitter. Surface transport is the single biggest carbon emitting sector in the country, and road transport makes up the vast majority of that. And so it's really imperative on us to drive the shift to net zero. And actually, I think the good news is we think there's a lot of opportunity to do that. So we set out recently in our highways net zero plan how we plan to to do that, really which focuses on three goals, delivering net zero for our own emissions by 2030, net zero for construction and maintenance by 2040 and net zero for road users by 2050. So we are now kind of really looking to shift into delivery and actually kind of make sure that we can deliver on all that because a net zero country absolutely needs net zero roads. But what we've seen is I think, you know, with uh, the increasing uptake of things like electric vehicles, also changes in how we can construct and and maintain uh, roads. There's real opportunities out there to drive that. So I think, you know, the talk and the panel that I'm on will focus on that and focus on how we are really planning to sort of drive that shift to net zero and put it really at the heart of everything we do over the coming years.
4: And you've been also launching a a digital road strategy this year as well. Um, What what Mm. opportunities does that bring to to drive down carbon in relation to the way that we we construct our roads, the way
3: we maintain them? Digital does. So uh, in a variety of ways. So firstly, I would say our digital strategy is focused on three areas, the digital design and construction, digital operations and digital for customers. Uh, and there's opportunities across those that um, both, I think, kind of improve the way that we do things or the service we provide, but will also have carbon benefits. So, uh, for example, in the digital design and construction, the more you can sort of have digital twins or digital models of the network that enable you to prepare and um, Plan things without going on site, without physically being there. That is a, a lower carbon option. Also, kind of in the digital for customer space, that if you can engage more closely and kind of interactively with customers as they're driving on the network. So things like Glossa which is looking at how you basically kind of uh, get people to moderate their speed so that they always go through green lights, so instead of having to stop and start at red lights. That stopping and starting kind of produces increased emissions. So if you can keep vehicles flowing and traffic flowing smoothly, you're enabled to reduce carbon. So so there's a variety of opportunities in digital that, yeah, do support the the climate agenda as well.
4: You're over also in the National Highways Theatre, focusing Mm. on on the case, the future case for road investment. How, How do we make that case in a realistic and relevant way, given, you know, all the things that we've just talked about.
3: It's vital. What's, you know, kind of really important and we'd reflect on is is sometimes kind of roads are not seen as compatible with those goals for net zero. And, you know, kind of there's a lot of focus on, say, road investment equals building new roads. And I think actually that's just not true. So certainly kind of if if we look at ourselves within national highways, Actually sort of of our kind of overall investment package in the RIS, over half of that is for operating, maintaining and renewing the network. Or it's for also things like our designated funds, which include kind of a lot of investment. I think we've got about three or four hundred million on specific small environmental projects as well and going beyond a lot of the environment work that uh, is done sort of within individual projects as well. I think it's really important that we try and um, tackle some of this perception that roads are bad. And I think I, I look at that really from three angles. Firstly, on, on the environmental side, I think it's really important to note that roads are not just for cars. Roads are there for, for bikes, buses, uh, increasingly things like e-scooters. So new new forms of mobility that are either sort of public or kind of inherently low carbon. Uh, in their nature and and we need to prepare our roads for them so within national highways we have a big program to build cycleways and cycle schemes we delivered 150 in in ris one and we're continuing to do that and we want to continue to um, focus on that over coming years i think uh, on the environmental side it's important to note that roads are going to decarbonize fast with that shift to electric vehicles and that and the end of petrol and diesel sales uh, at the end of this decade i think the next 10 years are going to see a massive shift in how, how quickly our roads uh, decarbonize and as i said before like investment in roads generally does not equal new roads uh, even if it's uh, enhancement in enhancing our roads most of the time that is unlocking bottlenecks and you know kind of, for example kind of junction improvements and actually that stop start traffic actually increases carbon um, and I think, you know, from uh, other perspectives, it's also really important to remember the customer story as well. You know, demand from the network is is going to continue to, to rise. We've already seen quite a significant increase in freight traffic through the pandemic and and, and after the pandemic. And um, it looks like, you know, those trends will kind of continue as well. Um, and You know, I would say if we have our rounded ambitions as a country, roads play a really key part in that and and delivering social value. So things like levelling up and, you know, that agenda, we are not going to level up without decent road connectivity. You know, roads are also needed to connect to other modes as well. Obviously, we're working closely with the likes of Network Rail and HS2 to make sure that people can travel to stations, uh, for example, and get on those modes. And we also shouldn't forget that the jobs and the skills that the investment in roads bring. I think RIS2 is basically uh, expected to support up to 65,000 jobs which is, you know, significantly more, for example, than HS2 phase one. I think LTC is about 22,000 jobs, which is about uh, the same as, as HS2 phase one. So, so you know, there is a significant sort of jobs and skills creation focus as well. So I'll be talking about um, all of that and, and how I think we uh, can t- continue to make the case for You know, road investment being uh, quite key to uh, the country that we want to create going forward. If
4: people want to come and see you talk about the environment and they want to come and see you talk about roads investment strategy in the future, where should they be
3: and at what time? The the first talk I'm doing is the Getting Serious Climate Actions and Net Zero panel. And that's on at 10.40 a.m. in the main bit. Uh, the, The case for roads investment is on in the national Highways uh, Theatre at 2.40 to to 3 o'clock in the afternoon.
1: National Highways' is Elliot Shaw there, rounding off this Highways Voices. Adrian and I will join you at Highways UK next week, so our podcast will be on Wednesday and Thursday later in the day with a snapshot of what's been going on. I look forward to chatting to you from there, so we'll talk next
0: week. Highways Voices. Join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry.